Glass Tire is supported thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you would like to make a tax-deductible donation to Glass Tire and to our work, please visit glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy today's show. Hello, and welcome to Art Dirt. This is a podcast where we at Glass Tire talk about topical art topics. I am Brandon Zeck. I'm Jessica Fuentes. And today we're talking about, okay, we've we've titled this The Things They Don't Teach You in Art School. Um, This kind of came about because we were thinking about people who come and give lectures at art schools. I know I've, I'm occasionally asked to come talk at like community college courses or do studio visits or crits or things like that. And I always love doing these things because I haven't been to grad school. I only went to undergrad, but in my short but very involved time in the art world, I feel like I've learned quite a bit kind of about what the real world is like. And that's by doing studio visits with artists who have been in the game for a long time, by doing studio visits with artists who have come out of grad school and learning from them that the art world wasn't what they expected it to be. Um, Just all of these experiences, I feel like whenever I try, whenever I visit people, I try to kind of give them a little bit of the real talk, I guess (laughs) you could call it, about like, what I've seen and what I've heard from people, because I feel like oftentimes you're in school, you're in a bubble. I know that was the case for me when I was in undergrad. Um, And you get out into the real world and all of a sudden you're just kind of like, what do I do now? So that's where this is coming from. Like what are things that aren't taught or aren't part of the curriculum, but are important to you as you lead a career as an artist or arts professional or just someone who wants to be involved in any capacity in the art world. Where do you want to start this, Jessica? Because you're coming from it from a different perspective, which may be beneficial for people to hear about because you obviously work for Glass Tire right now, but you're also a practicing artist. You've worked for museums in the past. Like, what's kind of your background coming at this conversation? Yeah, I guess um, coming into this conversation, I am bringing, you know, my knowledge from working in the museum world, working with Kinfolk House, talking with artists about their practice, but also kind of reflecting on my own experiences and what I feel like I didn't, I didn't know when I came out of undergrad. I did go to grad school, my degrees in art education, though, so it's not an MFA. And definitely, it's probably a good caveat to say that we've both been out of school for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Uh So perhaps some things have changed. Um, But I do think that from our conversations with with artists and and people in the art world, that these are the things we'll talk about today are things that are still relevant and important. Yeah, I totally agree. And also, you know, it's not like we're going to be calling out schools that don't teach things that we think they should be teaching, but also it's it's kind of like broad generalization. So it's like maybe these are things that people that we know who have gone to schools in Texas or beyond, maybe it's 
these are things that they've commented that they didn't really get. But the professor who was hired four years ago after they graduated actually talks to students one-on-one about these kind of things. Or, you know, all of this also depends on like, like when I come in or if I do crits or if I lecture for a class or whatever, in trying to give people like the real picture, I talk about some of these things. So I feel like it depends on who are the visiting people Mm -hmm. to your school also, because the experience can vary so much from one year to the other. And also depending on you as a person, like what you're looking to get out of it, what questions you ask. Like I realized when I was an undergrad, a lot of times the stuff that I wanted to know wasn't really being taught or talked about. So I sought it out either from my professors or from a completely different source. Mm -hmm. Like just one example is when I was an undergrad um, for two of the years, I was an undergrad. I went to the university of Houston. We didn't have like a modern and contemporary art history person on staff, which meant that, you know, I got a great education in like Gothic art and patronage and in Baroque art and Dutch art and all of this. But for my contemporary art education, I had to like go a completely different route. And I worked for other arts organizations in Houston that were presenting contemporary works. Mm -hmm. And by working with curators and, you know, program associates and people at those places, I kind of like rounded out my contemporary art knowledge because I wasn't getting it in school. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's also where I'm coming from of like, I am fully of the belief that, you know, a full well-rounded education would be a wonderful thing if it was just given to you. But oftentimes that's really not the case and it is what you make of it. Absolutely. But it is, you know, one of those things like for me, um, I was really new to art when I decided to go to school undergrad for art. Yeah. I literally taken my first art class my junior year of high school. Yeah. Never took art before. And so just being at UT Dallas where I got my undergraduate degree was exciting. Everything I was learning was new. But I had no idea what I didn't know. I didn't know what I should be asking. I didn't know, um, you know, the extra things that I should have been trying to do at the time. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. Like when I came in at UH, I had taken art history in high school. But other than that, I think I had been to the Museum of Fine Arts of Houston like once. Um, Like in, in, in that contemporary art education that I made myself, I made it myself. So it's like there were... <laughs> There were clear gaps where people would be like, oh, this person. And it'd be like, who are you talking about? <laughs> like, what? Like, and they're like, this person who's a major contemporary, <laughs> you know, one of the more important contemporary artists. And I'd just be like, they weren't mentioned at Diverse Works the <laughs> semester that I was there or, you know, things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Jessica, I, I totally can empathize with that. Well, and <laughs> I think part of this conversation is also just bringing up some of those wider topics so that if you're listening and if you have the ability to, you can go to someone and be like, tell me about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's trying to top down some of the basic things that you may not know that you may not know. Um, and to, to those of you listening who are like, this is going to be a stupid, boring conversation because I already know everything about the art world. Yeah, maybe. But and it's it's some common sense stuff. But at the same time, I feel like you know, it's it's good to refresh every now and then and just think about how we're 
we, not me and Jessica, but how we like as a society are thinking about all of these different things that, you know, being an artist entails. Like it's not just painting in your studio anymore. It's not working for a patron. It's running a small business. Mm-hmm. And with that, maybe one of the first points that they don't teach you in art school is you need to know business. <laughs> um, like I feel, I feel like this is very much tied into kind of the general failings of American education. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in high school, again, I don't know how much they changed. They did have like a home ec class, but I am fully of the belief that it would be super beneficial if every high school student could learn about what it's like to pay taxes or the fact that a fair amount of that money comes out of a paycheck or, you know, just general basic life skills that help people prepare for the real world. The adage of like, when am I going to use this when you're talking about algebra or calculus? Like, you know, you do end up using it, but I know I would have used learning about the healthcare industry and how to get healthcare and what the difference between HMOs and, you know, I, I would have used all of that a lot more than I use geometry <laughs> to this day. Jessica, did you, what was it like for you in undergrad and grad school? Did they talk about the business side of it at all? No. And well, and again, to be clear, you know, my, my graduate degree is not an MFA, so um, yeah, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't have come up there. But yeah, absolutely not. Um, I I got nothing in the way of uh, business preparation. Um, No idea about whether to remain as like a sole proprietor um, or to like establish myself as an artist as uh, as a corporation or or how to manage uh, paying taxes as an artist or or any of those Mm -hmm. things. Yeah, I feel like. Uh, you know, I feel like the the whole business side of being an artist, I mean, it's really something that can make or break you. Because I've talked to artists who have either managed to work it out themselves or, or who have found a really good, trustworthy accountant who mm-hmm. knows the ins and outs of, like, working with artists. Because if you're an artist and art is your business and you're getting – some form of income out of it and don't use this as any advice this is not uh, <laughs> tax preparation or legal advice disclaimer um but you know you can find inventive and perfectly legal ways to manage deductions that are related to your work expenses like that's how certain things work and when you're able to claim deductions that allow you to be an artist better because they're part of your expenses around your LLC or your small business, I mean, it, it means that you can, it means that you can live easier, which is something that as an artist is harder to do. Like it's, it can be hard to make money and it can be hard and you're probably not going to live off of your art for a long time. Like, I think that's, that's kind of a subset of this of like, people think that artists live off of their art Mm -hmm. and probably... 95% of the artists in Texas who you may think are living off of their art are not actually living off of the income of their art. You just kind of need to do the math of like the prices of artwork in a solo show to learn that. Or if they are, they're living extremely frugally. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I will say, though, um, you know, what I have seen, and I'm sure you've seen this in Houston as well, is that places like art councils um, and small local organizations are kind of stepping up to fill in those blanks and to offer these kinds of educational courses for artists um, that talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, how to write your CV, how to photograph your artwork. Mm-hmm. How to how to do your taxes, um, and of course, there's also the Texas Accountants and Lawyers for the Arts, um, which is mm-hmm. a great nonprofit that people can reach out to. Jessica, is is there a particular organization or organizations that you're thinking of in North Texas? Like in Houston, I think of Fresh Arts, which hosts a ton of seminars and really is kind of like a professional organization for artists. I think here, at least in Fort Worth, I've really seen Arts Fort Worth um, doing a lot within the last couple of years, um, formerly the Fort Worth Community Arts Center, um, to really kind of step up and fill in those gaps for artists. Jessica, do you have spitball thoughts about why art schools don't teach this? I mean, it's kind of tied into the uh, to some of the conversation, I feel like, around just larger public education in this Mm -hmm. country. Um, (laughs) But I'm just kind of like, I don't know if it's because the, because it's just not part of the curriculum or if no one proposes the class or if it's a boring class. So people, they think that people wouldn't take it or like, is it, is it part of the deal of like people who have been tenured for 50 years in their position are kind of not as tapped into the game anymore. So they're not familiar or the struggles of an artist have changed in that amount of time. Like, do, do you think there's a failing here somewhere? Obviously, I don't think that it's anything intentional. I, I think yeah. that, you know, teaching artists get so excited about what they're teaching about, um, you know, if it's a painter teaching painting or a sculptor teaching sculpting, right? Like that they're so ingrained in that artistic side of artistic practice, maybe even especially in undergrad, they're, you know, trying to work with their students to um, help them develop their artistic practice and thinking about students going into an MFA program. And I wonder if maybe they're hoping like, oh, when they get there, (laughs) they'll, you know, they'll, they'll learn some of this other stuff. But right now, my focus is to make sure that they're developing their voice and their artistic style and, and preparing them Mm -hmm. for an MFA program. So I wonder if it's just one of these things that falls through the cracks, you know? That's, that's interesting you, you say that because I feel like we have, I mean, each art school has their own ethos kind of about what they do. And some are like super materials based and others are very conceptual based. And I feel like, I mean, this is maybe my outsider opinion. So anyone please correct me if I'm wrong. But in my opinion, the best route that an artist could take would be to go to an undergrad program that is very materials based, where they learn how to make jewelry and how to make prints and how to deal with oil paint and acrylic paint and how to metalwork and how to woodwork and where they just have access to all of the materials that a school can offer and where they learn how to manipulate those materials to do what they want to do and to then go to an uh, go to a graduate program that's conceptually based because then they can use all of their material knowledge to create whatever they want to create in the best way possible like 
this, I feel like, bleeds into another one of the uh, things they don't teach you in art school, which is that I'm calling it art is messy. <laughs> and and what I mean by that is, like, I know p- there are programs that exist that try to separate people into, like, well, this is a painting and drawing program, so mm-hmm. you paint and you draw. And it's, like, maybe you attach something sculptural to the canvas, but that's, like, as far as it goes. And that's not how art is <laughs> in real life. Like, in real life, yes, there are people who paint only or there are people who only do, like, work on paper and drawings. But oftentimes I feel like as an artist, you're going to be trying to execute an idea in paint as a painting and you're going to be like, this doesn't work. <laughs> this, like, needs to be a sculpture. Like, I'm, I'm, I've am I'm, i said this before. I'll say it again. I'm fully of the belief that the media is, like, at least half of the message. Like, it does half of the work that you need it to do within a piece. So if you try to make a painting, but it, the piece actually would be better as a sculpture, it's just going to fall flat. Like, it's not going to be good. But at the same time, if you've only learned how to paint mm-hmm. and you've never learned how to use plaster or how to cast concrete or how to do woodworking, you're going to have no idea the things that you can do in that way. So it like to me, you lose the ability to essentially execute your work to its utmost ability. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, that's one of the benefits that I had in my undergrad program at UT Dallas, which was a a BA program, is that it's just a really interdisciplinary school. Um, We got to do everything from painting to photography to printmaking to sculpture. Um, And, you know, in my painting classes with John Pamara, I would be turning in digital videos as paintings, and that was fine. Um, so having that flexibility um, to play and to experiment and to push ideas in different mediums is is really necessary and important. Have you talked to other artists who have had the opposite experience to where they've kind of been pigeonholed for one reason or the other? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I've definitely had conversations with people who um, who are kind of, as you have talked about, have had ideas that they would like to bring to fruition, um, but then kind of get stuck. Um, and and mm-hmm. ways that they work around that, right, would be um, talking with other artists, building kind of their community of artists that they can go to and get advice from, um, and also working with fabricators and things like that, which, you know, you can't do everything. So it is nice to have these other um, methods and other ways of getting ideas out. But yeah, I I think that some people do tend to feel pigeonholed um, by the programs that they're that they end up in, Um, which, yeah, brings us to another really important point that we've been uh, thinking about in this things they don't teach you, which is that networking is so important. Obviously, um, obviously, working with the artist in your program is important. You're potentially building, you know, lifelong friendships with other artists, um, with your peers that you'll stay in touch with over time and and help each other grow and see how each other grows. But also beyond that, um, getting out to exhibitions, meeting people, um, because when you leave school, then all of a sudden, all of that structure that you've had for these years is gone. And so Mm -hmm. starting to have starting to build your own networks and your own structures 
to help you move forward after school is a really important, necessary step. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people take for granted the ability that they have handed to them in school. Like, I know I've talked to professors at different schools who have been like, yeah, we have a visiting critic and like two people signed up for studio visits with Mm. them. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's because everyone is kind of so ingrained in their own stuff that they're like, I don't have time to do this extraneous thing because I need to finish an art history paper or I need to get this painting done for my paintings three class or I need to, you know, it's kind of like, it's it's a little bit of like, you're doing things that are for the immediate deadline because you think that's what needs to be done Mm -hmm. versus maybe getting a C on that painting or just not turning in a painting that week. But like if you went up to your professor and you were like, but I had this studio visit and it like changed my life. And Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) you know, and I think that like I'm going to go in a completely new direction. I feel like a lot of artists who, who are real practicing artists who are teaching at schools like this would be like, oh, that's, they would realize that that's so much more valuable than having this one painting done by the end of this class period. Right. You know, like, because those those opportunities just, they're just kind of gravy during school, but afterwards you're like, good luck getting this visiting artist who's a big deal in New York into my random studio the next time they come to Dallas, right? (laughs) It's like they have to be in Dallas in the first place. You need to know they're going to be in Dallas. And then they have to have some reason to come into your studio. (laughs) And that trifecta isn't really going to happen in the real world, at least not for a little while. So, yeah, I, I feel like realizing what it's like in the real world. And of course, I'm not saying, like, Jessica, I don't think we're saying that it's like, you know, once you get out of school, you're alone <laughs> and you have to and you have to forge it yourself. It's like that's that's not true because if you've been if you've even pseudo built up like a network of peers that you can draw on people and get people into your studio and talk about your work and it's like I mean, I do that with people all the time, but it's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely different. It's not um, as easily accessible. It's not right at your fingertips. It takes a little bit more work um, to to continue to work within the networks that you've built, and it's something that you just have to you know set aside time to to continuously do throughout your career um, to go to openings, to meet people, to have conversations, to reach out. I think one of the other things that people miss a lot after school is having critiques, having a group of people that you can present a work in progress to or or even a finished work um, to get feedback, to get direction, to kind of get out of your own headspace. Um, you know, when you're in school, you have that natural surrounding of, of people who are there in your classes or in the shared studio areas. But outside of school, it takes more effort. Um, mm-hmm. to maintain those groups and those connections and to pull people together for things like that. It's definitely something that can be done and should be done. Um, but thinking about it before you leave school so that yeah. it's already on your mind and you're already thinking of how you can manifest that is is an important thing. I've seen kind of groups of grad students where they end up sticking together because, I mean, that's that's kind of the logical endpoint of this because it's like all of y'all are about to be in the 
more or less exact same situation of you're out of school, you don't have a studio next to anybody else's, and what do you do now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, you know, if you have a little cohort that you're, like, friends with or even, you know, people that you've connected to in the past couple of years who had already graduated, it's like that's – those are your people now. Like, hopefully you like them because those are your people <laughs> who are in the exact same situation and more or less know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like I know very few tortured artists who don't go out to any events or openings and et cetera, et cetera, and make and produce good work. Like it really is like, it's not done in a vacuum. Occasionally it is, but that's a rarity. Um, And I feel like that kind of leads itself into Jessica. One of the points that you mentioned is everyone's favorite, the social media and website component (laughs) of marketing yourself is because if you're running, if an, you're an artist, you're a small business, you're producing the work, you're invoicing, you're you're doing every element of this business, and an element of business, a very important element <laughs> of business, is marketing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I feel like people go in two directions: either they go really hard at it, almost almost overly so, or they're just like that isn't something I want to do, and they don't do it at all Mm -hmm. um what are your thoughts about social media and websites and all of that fun fun stuff jessica i mean it is a necessity right like yeah um not all of it i i definitely see people who are not on social media who are making it as an artist but having a website, having some kind of presence online that people can go to to see your art and see what's coming up next as far as events. And to that point, also writing press releases. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's a big one, especially depending on where you're showing, right? Because obviously, if you're showing it at certain galleries, that is something that the gallery will handle. But as up-and-coming artists showing in DIY spaces and things like that, Um, or even in artist-run spaces, um, then that Mm -hmm. becomes something that you have to start to learn how to do and refine how to do it. Yeah. Um, My 30-second press release writing class, having read thousands of them at this point, is tell me what the work is, tell me why you made it, and tell me a little bit about yourself. Because, you know, as much as we all love international art speak, I don't need to know... I don't need to know. I'm not even going to start pulling words because this will just get absurd very fast. Um, but but I don't need to know all of the crazy stuff behind. It's like tell me if they're paintings, tell me if they're sculptures, tell me if they're mixed media works, and then just give me like a little, just one or two sentences about why you made them. You don't need to explain that. Twelve years ago, you read Derrida and it really touched you, and like just give me a a, a one shot about why I should come see them. And if that one shot's good, I'll want to see them and I'll want to learn more. And then when you go to the show, that's the opportunity to learn all kind of that (laughs) weight behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I feel like Jessica attached to that, attached to like writing a press release and marketing is stuff that is a few things that I was surprised that some artists come out of, I mean, even undergrad knowing how to do, which is basic things like, hanging a show (laughs) (laughs) or or stretching canvases like uh, kind of basic things about being an artist that you're going to have to more or less do yourself until you 
start showing with a gallery or get a show at a nonprofit space. Like if if you're having an apartment show where you're showing in this like artist run space, you're probably going to have to hang your own show. Mm-hmm. And if you show up and don't know how to do that, it's you're going to have a wild time. Yeah. Did you were you kind of taught those sorts of professional practices? In undergrad, was it like, okay, now everyone's going to have to hang their own show and do their own thing? Or was it just kind of like, if you get the opportunity, you get it? Or if not, you just kind of get out of school without having to do it? Yeah. So in my undergrad experience, we definitely learned how to stretch canvases. Um, We had a few sessions on that, and then we were expected to to stretch our own canvases most of the Mm -hmm. time. As far as installing exhibitions... Um, we, we always had an end of the semester exhibition, um, Mm -hmm. where people were expected to help. Um, and in that process you would learn, but I would say maybe not everybody was held accountable for being there. (laughs) So again, it was a Uh little bit of you get out of it, what you put into it, right? If, If you showed up for those opportunities where you assist with installing the exhibition, then absolutely you would learn how, how to do that, how to make some of those uh, curatorial decisions, the actual, you know, hardware and things needed behind hanging a variety of different mm-hmm. kinds of work. Um, but if you didn't show up for those things, you might have missed it. I kind of had a little bit of that same deal because, okay, I, I was in an art history program, but oftentimes art historians go on to be curators who need to know how to, or art preparators or registrars, or like if you're tangentially involved in the art world, you're probably going to be asked to help hang something at some point. Um, So I feel like even as an art history person, it would have been good to know, but I didn't learn that in any of my art history classes. I ended up in this course with like, it was an interdisciplinary art course, which actually was really cool when the university of Houston had it because there were, there were no artists with a capital A in that class. There was no one getting an art BFA in that class, but it was dancers and musicians and writers. And, you know, I was like the lone art historian. And it was this ragtag group of people who ended up putting on an exhibition. So it was like, okay, who's going <laughs> to who's gonna try to install all of these random people's videos and photo prints and all this? Ra- so it's like that's how I learned how to install art. I just kind of – found out somewhere that like 55 to 60 was your center and <laughs> learned from there. And I, you know, I learned very quickly that, oh, I can't measure up from this floor because look at all of the things I just hung. They're not in an even nice line <laughs> and they're all the same size because this floor is crooked. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, those were all things that I had to learn on the job, essentially. Yeah. And to that point, also, I feel like art careers as a whole, is something that mm-hmm. never came up for me in undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So even what an art handler is, what what registrars are, what are all of these yeah. behind-the-scenes positions that museums and galleries have, and what are realistic careers that artists can go into after school? Um, that's something that really never came up, and I kind of only like found my way into art education um, by doing an internship. Um, I just kind of randomly applied for an internship and happened to get it. And, um, and it showed me like this whole other world that I had never really learned about before. Yeah, no, I think that's completely accurate. Like, 
I didn't really have people guiding me in terms of internships. I just found organizations in Houston that had internship open calls. I think actually using glass tires classifieds, <laughs> at least in part, um, and and applied. And I didn't really have anyone saying, oh, you should if, – if you want to be a curator, you should try and get this internship because you'll be working with artists or – like it just kind of happened. And I, I was very fortunate that a lot of them – ended up being things that I really learned from, but it could have been the complete opposite way because I was really kind of just rolling the dice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, <laughs> coming out of school, not necessarily having learned how to officially install work or the intricacies thereof, you know, I don't think I necessarily could have kind of come out of school and immediately started being an art handler. Like I didn't right. have that experience, which you can learn on the job, but I don't I don't know if you necessarily want to be learning on the job when you're installing a $50,000 painting. <laughs> um, well, I, I feel like that bleeds a little bit into the last kind of larger point that we have, which is that making art after graduating is a whole lot different than making art while you're in school. Mm-hmm. And we we mentioned this a little bit, you know, in terms of the community or in terms of your cohort of peers. But the big point about this that stands out to me is that full-time jobs and living life outside of school can so easily get in the way of artistic production. Like, I I know that there are a ton of artists who come out of undergrad programs and even who come out of MFA programs and end up working in some capacity, even if it's art-related, and just kind of stop producing art. And it's because in grad school, you get a studio space that's, well, quote-unquote free. You know, <laughs> you're paying for it. But you get a free – in your eyes, you get a free studio space and you get space and you get people and – there's classes and crits with the professors, so of course you have to make things. And after that, it's like, well, I don't have any of that anymore. Mm-hmm. So you really have to – you have to not only want to continue to make art, but you have to need to continue to make art. Like you have to need it enough as to where you get home from your full-time job and you cook dinner for you and your partner and then afterwards you're like – I need to do something because otherwise you're what you really want to do is you want to watch TV and you want to go to bed (laughs) after that. But it's, it's, it's a lifestyle thing. Like Mm -hmm. after, after you get out of school, become being an artist is a lifestyle and it's, it's a full-time job that oftentimes you don't get paid for. So you're really holding two full-time jobs so that you can live your life Mm -hmm. and so that you can make the art. I know plenty of people who, if they were anyone else, you would ask them what they do and they would say, I'm a bartender. But when you ask these people what they do, they say, well, I'm an artist and I also bartend. Mm -hmm. And their full-time job is being a bartender, but that's not what they do, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I feel like that reality is something that a lot of people are kind of not prepared for. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think too, you know, as a woman, I don't feel like I really had examples of what it looked like to have a family and be an artist and work. Yeah. Um, I did get a lot of advice in undergrad, which is don't have kids. (laughs) And I totally get it because it is hard. Um, But 
rather than getting that advice, it would have been really helpful to see some examples of how to balance those things and how to structure time, how to set aside time, um, and how to incorporate all of the things together as much as you can, right? Like I love making art with my kids and having them around in the studio when I'm doing things. Um, and that's something mm-hmm. that, you know, I hadn't really considered before I had kids as an option. Yeah. Finding, you know, in addition to networking or just kind of forming a larger group, like finding people who are modeling the type of life that you would like to lead is one of the more important things. Like if you're if you're a person who wants to have kids either alone or with a partner, like there aren't a ton of examples in the art world like that. Like it's overwhelmingly childless and it's sometimes overwhelmingly partnerless or single <laughs> or like, you know, because it's easier in some ways to not have all of those other, like if you're single, you can more or less kind of just do what you want Mm -hmm. if you're single and childless. And it's in some ways an easier life, but if you don't want that, there are fewer examples and it's harder to kind of wrap your head around what your life as an artist could look like. So finding people that exemplify that is one of, I think one of the best things you can do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been really um, encouraging and exciting to find my peers of artists who are parents in the DFW area who are Mm -hmm. balancing all of the things and doing it really well and and people who I can go to and (laughs) and talk with about the struggles of that and the joys of it and and get their guidance so Mm -hmm. yeah and with that uh that's the end of art dirt this week Thank you for listening. We will be back in two weeks with another episode. Uh, If there's anything we forgot or left off, uh, let us know in the comments of this post on Glass Tire. Uh, You can find it. It'll be on there. And with that, fall is starting. There is a ton to go and see and do all across Texas and beyond. So we recommend you go see some art. Go see some art. This podcast was recorded and edited by Glass Tire. Copyright 2022.